Greetings, and thank you for joining us at Calvary Chapel Valdosta this morning. Today, Pastor Deshaun presents a special message, noting the spiritual importance of mothers from two books of the Bible, Exodus chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, and Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 27. Let us listen in together. Welcome back. I know you, you're wondering, like, why does he have a jacket on? Well, you know, I wanted to... Uh, you know, really rise to the occasion of um, May 10th. Today is May 10th, I believe, right? And I wanted to rise to this occasion. Uh, we in the United States are celebrating Mother's Day and just a day in which we uh, focus and honor mothers. And I thought it was only fitting because the Bible has a lot to offer for mothers. And, and so while we would go over this text, I thought it was important for me to also play the part and dress appropriately to bring honor to the mothers. And so uh, I hope uh, this morning that this message on Mother's Day would bless you mothers greatly, would encourage you. And, um, and I pray for those of us who aren't mothers that we would be listening in for this and maybe the Lord will use you uh, to mend and repair uh, maybe some mothers that are out there that don't have the ideal uh, circumstance and situation for a family. But you'll be there as that, that one, that person to encourage them and show them that there is a more excellent way as found in God's text. So if you would do me a favor, turn over with me, mothers, and everyone else to Exodus chapter 2. And we're going to look at verse 9 and 10. If you would stand with me where you are as well, let's give honor to the word of God. And we'll read these two verses together. Exodus chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Exodus being the second book there in the Bible. All right. Exodus 2, 9 and 10. It says this. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse it for me. And I will give you your wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew. And she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, because I drew him out of the water. And Father, there is so much to be seen. Just in these little small verses. In just the words themselves. There's so much in between for us to ponder, to consider. And so we standing, Lord, with a measure of honor, Lord, we want the word of God to speak to us. We know that your word is active. It is alive. It is powerful. Hebrews chapter 4 says, as sharper than any two-edged sword. Isaiah 55 says, your word accomplishes the purpose that you send it out to accomplish. It never returns back without fruit without some some measure of change and impact and so that's our desire this morning not for this Sunday to just be another day that we listen to the word and we sing some songs and we move on with a boring life but a day in which your word empowers us a day in which your word invigorates us strengthens us motivates us and moves us to godly action. This is what we need in these last days, Lord. And you tell us in the word 
that you have spoken to us and speak to us by your dear Son. So our ears are listening, and we are at your feet. And Lord, we are choosing the better thing this morning. Help us to not be hearers of the word, but doers of this great word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What I want to talk to you about this morning is Mom's Cultivation Work. That is the title of our message and our time in God's word this morning. Our theme, what is going to represent what we look at, is Mom's Cultivation Work. Cultivation, what does it mean to cultivate? I think we could get an easy definition of that. Uh, to cultivate means to develop or prepare in order to bring forth fruit. I mean, cultivation is really the first step in the growing process. It doesn't matter what you're doing. you got to cultivate it. If you're a farmer and you're out, or if you're just a homeowner and you're trying to plant you know, some crops, the first thing you got to do is cultivate the soil. You can't grow anything if the soil is not right, if the, the acidity level is not correct, if the water level is not correct. You, you can't do a thing. If you haven't taken out the rocks and the weeds, you have to cultivate it. You even have to aerate it. Uh, most of the times when people are trying to grow grass, that's the first thing they do is aerate the soil. Put little holes in it. Allow oxygen to get within there and the seeds to go down into these pockets and die and germinate. It's called cultivation. And the mothers, moms, you have a cultivation work, a work that God calls you to. You see, moms and dads, they're not the same. They share the same responsibilities in that they're parents, but they have different roles. There are different expectations. They're, there's a different duty that God wants from you. And I believe as we look at the text this morning, we're going to look at mom as a cultivator. How important that job is. I don't know about you, but I've tried to grow things before. Then if that soil is not right, it, it doesn't matter what you do, except go and get some chemical like miracle Grow. You get that thing growing in no time. But normally, if you're trying to just do something organically, it takes a whole lot of cultivation, a whole lot of attention, a whole lot of care and concern. This is what it's all about. We find ourselves here in Exodus chapter 2, and we're talking about a mom named Jochebed, or in the Hebrew it would be Jochebed. Now this woman, you don't really find out her name that we just read here until chapter 6, where it says that she was the wife of Amram, which was Moses' father, and Aaron's father, and Miriam's father. But, but Jochebed, this woman here, I think shows us a real example of cultivation. You know, not just a, a, a cultivation of milk, as you see here in chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 9, where it says that she took the child and nursed it. That, that is the, the word behind that is to, to, to provide uh, suckling for the child, to, to give milk. Not just a cultivation of milk, but a cultivation of morals. A cultivation of mind, especially, especially within turbulent times. You see, the Hebrews at this point were under a lot of persecution because the Pharaoh of the land didn't remember Joseph. And so the Hebrews were growing 
they were growing wide. They were growing exponentially. And so his, the, his plan of action to curb some of this growth and the, the ratio that was getting out of proportion between the Egyptians and the Hebrews was to kill all the male Hebrew children. And so this, this was a lot of persecution. It was turbulent times. But within turbulent times, we see a mother. And, and I would venture you to say even other moms as well, because there were some midwives there acting in this, in this way of preserving children. But particularly, Jochebed, we see a mom cultivating not just milk for this child, but a mind and morals. Now, you might ask yourself this question, Deshaun, how do we get to see all of that? Because all we see here is that the, the Pharaoh's daughter said, bring me someone, and Miriam goes and finds the mother, and she says, take this child away and nurse it for me, and I'll give you wages. And so she took it, nursed it, and the child grew. You don't really get anything. And this is where the Bible student needs to think holistically about the text. And so we have to go back into, we have to go forward into the New Testament to really find out the impact of Jochebed's cultivation upon her son Moses. So if you do this with me, turn over to Hebrews chapter 11, because it tells us some very interesting things about Moses. I don't believe that these things just happened by osmosis, that Moses just developed this over time. Nor do I believe that Moses developed these things in Pharaoh's household. But I believe that this was all a part of the plan that God used Jochebed for in his life. She nursed him. And look, the root word behind nurse, if you went and did a etymology word study. The root word behind nurse is where we get the English word nourish. And so to nurse is to nourish. It is to cultivate something and bring it into life, to bring forth something that could bring fruit. This is what we see in Moses's life. And I believe this is the result of the nursing and nourishment of Jochebed. Look, in three ways here in Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to see the three ways that uh, a mom can cultivate godliness and, and a sense of direction in their children. We'll see mom's cultivation work here in Hebrews 11, 24 through 27. In verse 24, we'll see that the mom nurses character. That's a very important part for mothers in the lives of their children to nurse the character, to nourish it. Also in verse 25, we'll see how mom nurses conviction. How many people in our world today lack conviction? We're going to define even what that is. And then finally in verse 26 and 27, we'll see how a mom nursed confidence or faith in her son. These are all the results, I believe, of when Jochebed poured into Moses very, very early on. Now, in Exodus chapter 2, it tells us that when the child grew and he was weaned, then she brought him to Pharaoh's household, and, and he became uh, Pharaoh's daughter's son. Now, 
the, the weaning period, it, it wasn't like what we have today where a child is weaned and by the time they turn one, you know, you got them eating pizza and steak. Hopefully they're not because they only have a couple teeth. But, but normally the nursing period went well beyond that time. And so it, it would maybe even last to about six or seven years old, you know, where a child is nursing from their mother. And this, this idea of not just nursing him, but speaking to him and praying over him and reciting God's word to him and instilling something within him that could guide him much later on. So look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. And I want you to see the nursing of character. Notice what it says here of Hebrews eleven twenty-four. 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, in Exodus chapter 2, it tells us that when Moses got older, he grew, that he went out to visit his brothers. Uh, interesting the way that it puts it that way. He went to visit his brothers. Now, if he was brought up in Pharaoh's household, that means he was fed with a golden spoon, and so he had the best of everything. But yet, what he knew deep down within is that he did not belong to the Egyptians, but he belonged to the Hebrews. And so it says, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, because that's not where he was from. That wasn't his identity. The first thing I want you to see here is that it says, by faith, Moses. Just like it says it in the rest of the people in the chapter. But what I believe here is that moms have a primary and significant role of instilling faith in their children. It is your job, mom, to pour into them the word of God, to recite to them the word of God, to pray over them the word of God. In Proverbs chapter 1, this is what it tells us. Uh, if, if you could go into Proverbs and you see this. It's just really amazing. But Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8, this is what it says about the mom's job. It says, My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. Notice how it says, listen to the instruction of your father. The father is to provide that discipline. The father is to provide this, this focus and the enforcement of walking steady and walking upright. But the mother, the mother is the one that cultivates faith. Notice it says, listen to the law of your mother. That word law is not like the law of mothers, like this is how I grew up and this is how you should grow up. But the word for law in the Hebrew is Torah. It is the word of God. It says, listen to the law of your mother. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20, he says, My son, keep your father's commandment and do not forsake the law of your mother. Same thing, the Torah. And so mom here is, is trying to cultivate the word of God in her son. In Proverbs chapter 31, verse 1, it says, I can turn there accurately. Proverbs 31, 1, it says, The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. 
Notice, this is the job of mom to, to bring forth, to instill faith in their children. That doesn't mean that the dad doesn't have a role. Yes, he does. He needs to walk in godliness and he should be speaking of the word when you lie down, when you rise up. But listen, I want you to understand that the way that the scripture lays out the roles and duties is that men work, the women take care of the home. The women are watching and guarding their household. Titus chapter 2 is a very good example of that. That the women should take care of their house so that they don't bring shame to the word of God or to the Lord Jesus Christ. But the men are supposed to be workers. They're supposed to be working with their hands. And so mom would spend normally, typically, and traditionally the majority of time with the children. And in spending time with that children, you breathe on that child spiritual things. And so it says by faith, Moses. Faith. The only way Moses is coming to the faith is through mom, is through Jochebed. Nursing him, nursing that character. Here's the other thing. When he says he refused to be called the son, he says he refused to be called under this other identity. Now, we don't know what the name of Moses really was. That wasn't, quite possibly, that wasn't the name that he was given when he was a young child. In fact, it says in Exodus chapter 2 that Pharaoh's daughter called him Moshe. That's in the Hebrew or Moises in the Greek, he called him, she called him Moses because she drew him out of the water. But it tells us early on in that same chapter of Exodus 2 that Moses was a goodly child, as, it, as the scriptures say. And in Acts chapter 7, verse 20, it tells us that he was a fair child. Here it tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, he was a proper child. It all goes back to the Hebrew word tov, and that means good. In fact, Moses' name could have been tov. It could have been tover, good child, such a good, beautiful thing. We never know. But Moses, his identity wasn't Egyptian. It was Hebrew. Where would he know that from? How would he know? I mean, you look, we have the movies out there. Maybe he's looking at their hair, his hair. He's like, Mama, I'm probably like that. Look, dispel that. What I want you to understand is that mom is the instrument that confirms the identity of the children. Mom, you are the instrument. You're the one that's confirming that identity. There's so many kids out here that don't have an identity. They're finding their identity in sports. They're finding their identity in figures on TV. They're finding their identity in entertainment, at school, wherever. Mom, you're, you're the cultivator. You're the one that's supposed to be confirming the identity. I can almost imagine in my mind that Jochebed said, look, this is who we are, son. This is reciting to him the, the, the word of God. Reciting to him, you know, the things that God did, the things that God said, all of that stuff. You know, the, the Hebrews, you know, reminding them of what God said to Abraham, reminding him of what God said to Isaac, reminding him of what God said to Jacob and all of the promises. You can almost imagine she's, she's instilling this in him and he knows that you are Hebrew. You belong to the Lord. And so when he got of age, he rejected those other identities. He rejected those worldly systems. You know, listen, the identity is so important for you to get this, mom, is that you are to cultivate the identity 
of your children. You, you're, that's your responsibility. And this is important because identity informs character. And character, it guides the whole life system. It, that is comprised of three systems. The, the ideal system, those are the aspirations and goals. The principle system, the standards by which we live. And the belief system, how they are going to trust and walk with the Lord. This is up to mom to provide that moral compass. And that, that's what mom does. She cultivates those three systems, the ideal system, the principle system, the belief system that guides the moral compass. This is what mom is the instrument for. So that this child has an identity when he grows up and he leaves the house. That he's not confused and wondering, who am I? What am I? What should I do? Why have I been created? He knows this because mom has been pouring into him. Mom, you have such a great task, such a great role. Because think about it. One day, her little boy, Moses, or whatever his name was before, would leave her house. She knew this. He would leave her house and enter into this world. Egypt would be a type of the world in the scripture. She would leave, he would leave her house and enter into the world to be influenced by the world, to try to be overcome and taken by the world. Will he keep his identity? That's your choice. That's up to you, mom. And Jochebed had this, she had this responsibility to pour in. She knew that it was a limited amount of time. She did not have all the time in the world, but once he became of age and now he was ready to reason and to think, now he had to leave. And this is how you have to think, Mom. You only have a short period with these. And this is why this is the most important thing here. The most important, this is the most important thing that Mom has to fiercely protect. And that is that four-letter word that starts with a T, time. Mom, you have to protect your time because you don't have an unlimited amount of time with these little small children, these little disciples, these matatas, these little plants. You don't have an unlimited amount of time. You have a very short window. And so you have to be fiercely protective over the time that you have with them. You see, the world tells us something completely different. The world says, Mom, you don't have to care about your time. Like, you need to go work. You need to go pursue a career. You need to go and pursue the things that you want to do. And that is all a ploy to get you to, to get you to not focus on your children and to cause your house to be in disarray, your lineage. It's up to you to be the cultivator. And you can't miss this time. And so a mom has to be fiercely protective over her time. I remember much early on when our kids were very small. We were involved in ministry. The church had two services. Man, we, it, you know, Things were bustling. And we really enjoyed it. But it was at the expense of our children. Because we were so busy. We were eating breakfast in between services. And it was just becoming very, very crazy. And I remember my wife... You know, she, she had these expectations to be there at each study and to be part of women's ministry and, and to be serving as a woman and, and doing different things in the church. And it got to a point where we couldn't even maintain the household and then she was becoming very overwhelmed. She reached out to a ministry that has been a real blessing to women. 
and she reached out and she just sent him an email and said, you know, I'm doing all of these things and I don't have time to take care of my home and to pour into my family. And what do you recommend? Like, how do you do this? And the words that that person provided was so salient, very, very important. The lady said, you're already doing ministry with your children first. Then the rest of that stuff. Make sure you concentrate there. You see, this is where a lot of things try to come in and they steal your time, ladies and moms. They want to steal your time so that you don't, you can't pour in, you can't cultivate. You know what happens if you forget to water your garden, if you forget to go out there and make sure no bugs are in there, if you forget to pull up the weeds, you come out there and that thing will be overtaken in no time. It'd be very hard to recover. This is why you have to fiercely protect your time. You don't have a lot of time with these young ones. And your work is one of the most important tasks that God has given you. And so you have to concentrate and say, look, this is my job here. Until these kids grow up and they leave this home, this is my number one task. I have to be dedicated to it. And then when they leave and they have children, Hey, now you can come in with a different role. Now as a grandma, you can come in and you can help with the cultivation work. You can come alongside your daughter-in-law, your daughter, and you can say, hey, let me help you with this. And you can ensure that that garden looks absolutely amazing. This, has been, this is when a mom concentrates on nursing character. This is what Moses got. That's why he was able to make the choice much later and say, I'm not an Egyptian. I belong to the Hebrews. How would he know that? I believe he had a mom. He had a mom nursing that character. And so when it flourished and it came, he knew exactly who he was. This is your job, mom. And you know, it doesn't matter about the things, you know, Jochebed, she wasn't all super rich, but you see how the Lord blessed her? That it tells us that Pharaoh said, I'll pay you even to do this. Pay. She's getting paid to take care of her own son. Listen, you have to understand, God will take care of all of your needs. That is something that we had to learn early on. When I was working and my wife was working, and we both had two jobs, and we had a child. It was very hard to take care of a home and to instill values until one of us, my wife said, you know, my job is to take care of the home. I should, I should stay home and take care of the children. That was a huge sacrifice. But, you know, God, over the years, has taken care of our every single need. Yes, there were some tight times when we first did it, but that's, that's how it is in faith. You know, we're not going to go off trusting ourselves. We're trusting what God can do. But yet, we were so focused, and it felt so good, because we knew that the children were getting what they needed. They were getting character. They were getting identity. They were getting to know who God created them to be. Mom, that's your job. Don't forget that. And no man is poor, as someone said, that has a godly mother. So it doesn't matter about the material things. No man is poor that has a godly mother. There's a godly mother in your corner, in your life, pouring into you. You're the richest man in the world because you have an identity. You have something that can't be taken. Notice what else here it tells us in, ch in chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 25. It says that when Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, it says in verse 25 that he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin 
for a season. This is another aspect of mom's cultivation work, is that she not only nurses character, but she nurses conviction. Now, what is conviction? Now, some of us will say conviction is that feeling you feel when you did something wrong. No, not quite. Not quite. But conviction is this. Conviction is being certain enough so that you can make a costly decision. Conviction is being certain enough that enables you to make a costly decision. Think about how many people have real conviction in the world today. How many people say, you know, this is wrong and this is right and I'm willing to stand up for this, even if it costs me everything. Not many people are growing up with that type of conviction. There are many people growing up with a passivity that is just pervading and permeating every aspect of their lives. They, they can't stand for anything. They stand for whatever John is standing for. Hey, this is what he believes, this is what I believe. They have no real conviction. And that comes from the mom cultivating that in her child, nursing conviction. You see, conviction is developed with the little nudges that move into the big bin where you draw from to make the decision. You know, mom spending time with her child and saying that this is right and showing the child this is right from God's word and this is not right. And, and, and as you pour into and those little nudges, just moving them closer towards the right path, towards the right way in which we must walk, those begin to collect. And over time, the, the son or the daughter is drawing from those decisions. This is what my mom said. Here's what the word of God said. This is what I need to do. And they become convicted. They have a conviction about their living. Moses made a choice. Listen, it was a costly choice, verse 25, because he chose rather to suffer affliction than to enjoy. See, he, he chose to suffer instead of enjoying. He made the choice. You see, mom, you're the influencer. You're the one. You're the influencer that will help the child choose between a sacrificial life or a sinful life. You're the one. It's, your, it's in your court, mom. You have the ball. The joke of that, I can almost imagine her work with Moses. To say, son, you have to understand what you see out here. This is not what God intended, but God has a plan for us. God wants to take us out of Egypt. God doesn't want us to be assimilated into Egypt. He doesn't want us to be part of this culture or these many gods. There's one true God. There's El Shaddai. This is who we worship. And she's developing in Moses a conviction. So that when he became of age, he was ready to choose sacrificial living over sinful living because of the conviction in his heart. The choice of being certain. Mom, mom, you're cultivating that in these children. Remember, we're out here in this world and the world just wants to still kill and destroy. That's what the world wants to do. That's the enemy's focus, John 10.10. 10. That's what he wants to do. He wants to steal things out of your life. He wants to kill any kind of liveliness spiritually. He wants to destroy your children. 
And so we have to protect them. We have to make sure that we put this chasm around them and we have to nudge them so that, so that when they get older, they can draw from this bin of conviction and make the right decisions and say, I'm not going to live a lifestyle of sin. I'm going to live a lifestyle of sacrifice, whatever that is. You know, I'm not going to try to cheat to get ahead. I'll do this the hard way. This is what my mom taught me. This is what mom told me. There's such a great role of cultivating. This is what Moses had. He had Jochum had in his life, nursing him. Nursing, I believe, a conviction. And he was able to make wise choices. He chose to suffer than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. It was only going to be temporary. But he was in Pharaoh's house and he had everything he wanted. Everything at his fingertips. But yet he forsook that. Some people would say, man, you're a fool. Why would you do that? Who would give that up? But you know what? When you be a nurse with conviction, those things don't matter. You really care about the weightier things. And I think it was according, it was, this is how Jokovic was thinking. You know, Duffy Robbins, he wrote this, this uh, book called Building a Youth Ministry That Builds Disciples. If you haven't had a chance to put your hand on that book, and you don't have to be a youth ministry, but it, let me tell you this. If you have children, you got a youth ministry. Okay, and this, this book was so good. I love every aspect of it. But he, he went on to say, it's not about how fast our young people grow. It's about how far our young people grow. That's the key. How far are they growing? Mom, you're the one that's cultivating this plant, man. You're pouring your time into this, your energy into this, wanting to instill character, wanting to instill conviction so that they can go far. Now, hey, look, maybe they might live long, but man, don't you want them to go far in life? Don't you want them to make an impact on other people? Don't you want them to represent the Lord Jesus Christ? Well after you're gone. That is the key right there, is that we, moms, you, we have to think about these children in that way, that we got to nurse conviction in them. And that, that just takes, again, spending time. And you're talking to them about the Word of God. You're talking to them about the promises of God. You're leading them in these things. This is your focus. You understand? You get up in the morning, and you're spending time with the Lord, but you're pouring into yourself so you can give out. And you get them up and you're loving them. You're speaking to them and you're praying for them and praying over them and hoping that one day, man, they go, man, they have conviction. They're making choices like this. Right choices. Notice it says in verse 26 and 27, this is our last stop on the train of mom's cultivation work, is that she also, I believe, nursed some confidence and Moses. Confidence being uh, just a, a real faith and a belief, a trust. Because notice it says in verse 26 of Hebrews 11, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect. He had respect to the recompense of the reward. And by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Look, this is really what it's all about. 
is that he had this confidence. He was, he was counting. That word esteem means to account. He was accounting that the, the reproach of Christ was greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Now you might say, where was Christ at in Exodus chapter 2? But see, Christ was in the body there of all the Israelites. You know, he was going to come through Judah. So all of that was, was Christ. And so he was choosing to come alongside of what the Lord Jesus suffered. And he's going into the Israelites. He's, it says he esteemed the reproach of Christ. All these people that the Messiah came from. Part of that, part of that Messiah, the Lord. And it says that he esteemed those things as greater riches. He said there's something in it. These are God's people. God has a plan. God has a promise. God has a path. And I am willing, I am willing to go in all the way on this right here. I'm confident of that. I'm willing to sacrifice all of this, the, the fine linens and the oils that you find there in the Egyptian. I'm willing to, because this is better. God's people, this is much better. And he forsook it. And he had esteem. He was accounting that these things were good. Look, it says he had respect to the recompense of the reward. I mean, he was looking with a, with a stare, with a mental gaze. That's what that word respect means. He was, he was gazing upon what God wanted to do with those people. Look, again, where is the confidence coming from? Because I can assure you, as Moses was growing up in Pharaoh's household, they weren't going over the Hebrew history. And they weren't talking about Abraham and all those things. No, why would they? They were bringing them up in the culture of the Egyptians. But mom, mom, hey, listen, the power that mom cultivating this in Moses, the confidence, and he's making the choice of saying, this is better. You know what he's doing? Is that this confidence here is demonstrated by putting an eye on spiritual things. You see, because none of these things happened yet. So they weren't liter literal things. They were spiritual things. The riches, then the, then the treasures in Egypt. What riches did these people have? They were in there using their feet and stomping and making brick and mortar. They, what, what, what riches did they really have? They were shepherds. They were with animals. There were no riches there other than what he would have learned, that these are God's people, and God has given them a land. God has, has promises for them. Those are the riches that he has his eyes on. Man, these are God. This is special. Mom, pouring that in. It's having an eye for spiritual things. And mom, you could do no greater thing, but then to help your children have an eye on spiritual things. And the way you do that is that you, when you develop confidence in your children, you're developing in them the ability to weigh spiritual things over natural things. That means to make spiritual things their first priority. Not number two or number three, but number one, the Lord. It's my number one priority. That's how they have an eye on things that they can't see. Riches that have been afforded to those who love the Lord. Like it says in Ephesians chapter one, it says God has given us, given to us every blessing in the heavenly places. The, listen, the Christian is so rich, spiritually speaking. 
And mom, this is what you got to do. You got to develop that in them. You got to put a priority there and say, look, this is what you have to go after. It is important that you worship. And you know, when you leave this house, that that'll be the first thing that they're thinking. Not waking up on Sunday morning saying, man, you want to go bowling or man, you want to hit the courts. But thinking to themselves, I need to be with the people of God. This is what I was taught. There's something in it, man. You should come. This is what you want. This is what you want your kids to have. They need to be able to weigh on the balance of life, the spiritual things over the natural things. That is nursing confidence in these little ones, in these plants. Mom, you have such a great role. You have such an honorable role. I can imagine the, the lawn and the reward and the praise that are going to go to mothers that have been faithful in heaven. That they get to stand and look at generations of children that have affected so many people for the Lord. And it all goes back to this mom who just prayed over this little one every night, who just talked the word to them, who convinced them that this is the right way to go. And it's going to go back, and I believe the Lord Jesus will say, well done, my good and faithful into now into the joy, into the goodness of your Lord. And you know, I could I could just see the Lord saying, Thank you so much for your obedience. Look what you were able to do. And and the mom standing there saying, Lord, what did I do? All I did was just help. And and most of the times I thought I was a failure. And the Lord says, Hey, you you did all of that for me. Look at the fruit of your labor. What a blessing. As we close up here, I want you to see the greatest, single most important task for you mom on this day is to ensure that your child is moving in the right direction. That is your cultivation work. You get out there in that garden, garden of those children, you cultivate them. Man, you put up those, those sticks of stabilization. You make sure that that child is growing in the right direction. In Proverbs chapter 31, notice what it says about the Proverbs 31 virtuous woman. Right in verse 27 of that chapter, it says something profound. Proverbs 31 verse 27. It says this, she looks well to the ways of her household and eats not the bread of idleness. I love that verse there. Look, the most important word that I see in there is that she looks well to the ways, the ways of her household, the ways. That, that word ways there is the direction in which they're walking. The proximity, the, the, you know, how they're leaning. This is what she concentrates on. The, the places in which they're treading, the paths. That's what that means. She looks well to the ways of her household. This is what the mom is concentrating on more than anything. And I want to encourage you, if nobody else does on this day, that you have a very, very important work in the eyes of our Lord and Savior our captain, our shepherd. He sees your work as a very important job because children today, they're not being taught this. 
In fact, they're being taught a host of other things. And, and there are many people that are destined on their way to hell. There's much heartbreak. There's much brokenness. You are the catalyst. You are the cultivator, mom. It's you. It's you. Remember, you have a, a very important job and you only have a limited amount of time. And that means the mindset has to be urgent. You have to be urgent. This has to be focused priority here. And I believe that if you nurse the character, that if you nurse the conviction, that if you nurse the confidence, you will receive your reward in due time of your cultivation work. Such an important job. We would like for you to stay in touch and up to date with us. Follow us on Twitter at CC underscore Valdosta and visit our website at ccvaldosta.weebly.com for additional information about Calvary Chapel Valdosta and an archive of previous sermons. You can reach us by phone at 301-395-3382. Calvary Chapel Valdosta is a fellowship of believers committed to the study of the Word of God and seeking the things that are Jesus Christ's. Let's say a word of prayer together. Father, I thank you for the word of God, and I thank you that we can find examples like this in the text. Though we couldn't see Jochebed and all of her duties and all of her work, yet we could feel and experience the impact of her work. Thank you for that woman and her faithfulness. And I pray for the rest of the women, Lord, that, that are here and that, that we know that, Lord, that they would be so focused on being the mothers that you called them to be. And, Lord, that they would walk in that work 100%, Lord. They would not give up. And I pray that you would light a fire in the moms, in their hearts today, Lord, that you would overflow them with, a, with a, an overwhelming sense of vigor, that they would be the women that pray and watch over the ways of their household, leading them into your ways, Lord, so that they can enjoy the fruit much later on. So, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your word, always having what we need. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.